Vaccine Watch on Ireland's Classic Hits. Uh, welcome back to us. Okay, once a week we have a quick lowdown, a quick look at what's going around uh, when it comes to vaccines. I know everybody's a little bit confused about when they're supposed to be getting it, how many doses we're getting in. We listen to Steve and we listen to everybody else on a regular basis on the radio and we're all a little bit confused. So to give us a little bit of an update, Ruth, uh, my researcher and assistant producer, has joined me to give me the update on it. Ruth, where are we now with the vaccines in this country? We have been a bit slow, there's no doubt about that. So where are we? Yeah, there's no denying that. But as of the 8th of March, um, we have 500,000 536,617 doses overall given out. Okay. Um, so that's 382,528 first doses and 154,089 second doses. So they're obviously spread across the nursing homes long and long-term care facilities, frontline healthcare workers and the over 70s. So realistically, only 154,000 people have been fully vaccinated in Ireland. Yeah. Okay, that's a, and, and the break between the two doses, What what is the break between the two doses? It depends on which vaccine they're getting, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, so the, for the Pfizer, they're saying between 21 and 28 days. Uh, Moderna, I think, is roughly the same. And AstraZeneca is between 10 and 12 weeks. Okay, so that's kind of a long break, okay? Yeah. My concern is, of course, that when somebody's on a first dose, and then they get to a second dose, do we have enough doses then to give them the second dose? And how long, for example, <clears throat> pardon me, if we don't get it within 28 days, do Pfizer allow it up to 35 or up to 40 days? Or how long can they actually wait? They don't really recommend going over the 28. They don't recommend going over the 28, which is why it's 21 to 28 days. Okay. And, um, and the stats then in relation to those, I suppose, who are the most vulnerable, who will be not just the frontline healthcare workers, but the nursing homes and people in the long-term care facilities. How many people are there have at least got the first dose or second dose? So it's 167,300. 103 have gotten their first first or second doses okay. in the, uh, care homes. Okay, and the healthcare workers, of course, doctors and nurses who, unfortunately, a lot of them had to take time off, 14 days for being in close contact. That, thankfully, has come down incredibly now at this stage because a lot of them have got their first or second dose. Many was it on that? There was 268,462, and most of them should have their second doses by now as well. All right, so now, the targets. Are they being met? I mean, Stephen came out, it was Stephen Donnelly. I hate to be on first name terms with him. But he came out there about, about three weeks ago, said he was ramping it up, 100,000 doses next week. That didn't happen. We got like 67. But what did he say last week? He was hoping again for so something similar? Last week was similar, up to the 100,000, and we only got about 87,000 done. Okay. So we've missed it again, unfortunately. But for next week, they're only hoping to get between seventy five and 85,000. So, so they're being realistically with their targets for next yeah. week. And, and is this due to the fact they're just not getting the vaccines? Yeah, so what's happening is they're being told that they're going to get 50,000 of the vaccines in and then suddenly it's 25,000 and then only 10,000 arrive in the country. So they're just right. not coming in, so they can't give them out. Because I believe according to the HSE that every vaccine that comes in, into the country, is in somebody's arm within five to six days. Yeah, because it expires otherwise. Yeah, because so they're actually giving them to people as quick as they can, but unfortunately they're just not getting them. Now, I suppose the silver bullet in all this was supposed to be the Johnson Johnson because it's a single jab vaccine. You don't have to get a second one. Probably more suitable for those under the age of 70, uh, this particular vaccine. We've ordered a lot of them, but I don't think we're going to get as much as we ordered. Many, no, how many did we order? We ordered... Over, I think it was 1.4 million, um, but we're only getting 600,000 doses between April and June. Right, okay. Obviously, that's a lot less. But, but, it, will mean the but it is a single dose vaccine, so that's 600,000 people. Yes, and it is a new vaccine as well. So we will still be getting Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca coming in. 
Okay. So like they will still be there on the market. People will still be getting vaccinated with those as well as the 600,000. All right, okay. Johnson Johnson. Okay, so, and then of course, I, I heard mentioned the other day, I, I think the figure was somewhere around 140 different companies around the world are now working on new vaccine candidates or programs or candidate is essentially what they call a vaccine or development of a vaccine. Yeah. So this won't be an issue in eight months time because there'll be any amount of them. It'll be like par- paracetamol, essentially. No, they'll be available not. everywhere. Yeah, because they've asked some of the vaccine companies to release their um, ingredients so that other people can replicate it and obviously ramp up the demand and supply. Absolutely, because normally when you release a vaccine or a cure or a tablet or whatever it happens to be, there's usually a 10-year patent on these things, yeah. but they've removed all the patents for this particular thing because we're in a national pandemic. Uh, care home residents, good news, I suppose. We're going to be talking to a loan about that in a few minutes, but good news for people who want to visit their elderly. Yeah, finally some good news coming out of the vaccine. So they, in from the 22nd of March, they will be allowing visits again, they are saying. Um, so you'll be allowed two visits a week on general compassionate grounds and there's no time limit on it. It doesn't de- say about PPE. So well, I I'll ask Sean a few minutes ago, but who defines compassionate grounds? We'll talk about that in a second. So there's no requirement to limit also the time on that because there was a requirement of one on under an hour. That's gone now, is it? That's gone. That seems to be gone. So I assume that'll be down to each of the care homes to and, be able to facilitate the visit. And finally, I always get a bit concerned with the word Sputnik. <laughs> I don't know what it is about the word Sputnik. Now, the Sputnik was something we sent into space, but of course the Sputnik vaccine is now being made in Italy, I believe. Yeah, so it's obviously the Russian vaccine and it seems to be 90-something percent effective, 97, 93, and doing amazingly so it's been approved in Slovakia and Hungary already so they're already using it okay so they're um, waiting for the European obviously the European Union to approve this vaccine this is a two yeah. dose vaccine as well by the it's way. two dose but the two doses are separate it's two different types of vaccine in each dose which is why they think it is more effective than some of the others um, right okay but the EU have 50 million doses ordered for June if it's approved. So All right. Hopefully. All right. Thank you very much indeed, Ruth, for that bit of an update. That kind of gives you some idea. We'll talk about categories as well uh, a little bit later on. I want to go to Sean. Sean uh, Moynihan, who is the chief executive of Alone, uh, the people who, of course, represent the elderly and the more vulnerable in our society. Sean, good afternoon to you. Nice to talk to you. Good afternoon. Sean, I mean, where are we now? Is there satisfaction within your, I suppose, uh, department, so to speak, in relation to how we're rolling this out to the elderly and those in care homes? Are we generally satisfied or is it disappointing? I think as your segment uh, highlights is, really, it's all about supply. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The, the, it's all about supply. And because we haven't got supply, there's a lot of uh, older people anxious, waiting, enthusiastic, all the others people concerned maybe they might be forgotten or left behind. So there's all of that. I think uh, we look forward to the day, as you described earlier, is this where, where there's too much or there's Yeah, just like paracetamol. Yeah, you'd be able to yeah, bite in the corner. Look forward to that. Thanks <laughs> yeah, for that problem. Yeah, give us 20 marble red at the newspaper yeah. and a vaccine, please. <laughs> yeah, we look forward to that problem. And, and I think that creates uh, optimism. I don't think we can underestimate what people have been through in the last year especially older people, mm-hmm. from those who are very active in our community who've had to withdraw, down to those who maybe were medically or socially vulnerable coming into this. So, you know, there's, you can see the uh, joy when people get the vaccines. I know, I've, I've, talking, I've already talked to a couple of older people. I've talked to a couple of older people, Sean, who have yeah. got them. And you know right. what? What they said to me was, they feel different. Now, <laughs> I don't mean from a physical sense of the point of view, but they yeah. feel different, that they feel safer in some way that maybe they can venture out to the shop or whatever it happens to be and, and not be so concerned about it because of course a lot of these people have been trapped in their homes essentially uh, for the last year and, and particularly in care homes with no visitors good news on that front of course this week Sean with you know people who are in the in care homes that so they can go and visit them twice a week uh, for an unlimited amount of time but they're they're using this definition by the way of compassionate grounds what what do you what do you make of that definition I think that I think that I, my, my understanding of that is that's a technical de- definition 
I think the reality of it is, is people will be allowed to visit as long as, and I think it's over 80% of all, the, of all the older people and the staff have been vaccinated and that a care home or in, you know, is COVID-free. Yeah. You know what I mean? And There's no outbreaks, yeah. COVID-free free for a period of time. So I, think, I don't think once those criteria are met, I think everybody's entitled to a visit on compassionate grounds. Now, here's the other question. Your your volunteers and your people who go out Mm. to deal with the elderly who will be in their homes more so, I suppose, in these situations... Is there any uh, possibility, and I'm going to talk to Tina Gates in a few minutes ago, who's a carer for her father, but is there any possibility at all of kind of bumping them up in the categories a little bit, those who are dealing with vulnerable people, rather than just having them way down the category somewhere? I think, I think there's, there's groups um, uh, being set up by the HSE to take inputs from different stakeholder groups uh, within the sector. And I think we're campaigning um, hard that ultimately is, is people that are going to people's homes on an ongoing basis, that ultimately is that there is some level of we move up some of the priorities. Mm-hmm. As we understand it now, all those groups will be all in level six. We'd like to see them maybe moved up to four or to... Or, or, yeah, because or, I, I, or I'm not five. dealing with elderly people and, and Tina, who's going to be talking to us in a second, is living with her father, is quite old. He's over the age of 90, 95 years of age. Yeah. And, you know, although Tina's probably the same age as me, she should get it before me. I would agree completely. I don't and, see why not. And I think that, that, that's what we need to try and influence the system to get more sophisticated as we go forward. I think, I think what I'd say to you is, is, you know, for us, so much of older people have had to cancel healthcare. Older people have been some have been avoiding some medical treatments because they were fearful of going into hospitals when the outbreaks were there. And we're delighted that that's dropped off the scale. So there is some good news. I think what we're also though is concerned that because less people have been inside supporting people, you know, there are issues around housing, health, loneliness that really need to be addressed. So mm-hmm. even when people are vaccinated. You know, and everybody gets the vaccine. And again, we want to be positive. The reality is, is there will be a lot of work to do to catch up and to address issues and to they've They've kind of lost a week out of their lives, or a year, should I say, out of their lives, haven't they? I mean, and, and a year, a year of somebody's life who's eighty years of age is a lot of time. Well, yeah, and and you know, it's like it's like sport, or it's like sports and fitness. It's use it or lose it. Do you mm, know what I mean? Absolutely. And, yeah. and the reality is, is if you haven't been driving for fourteen months, if you haven't been physically active for fourteen months, these types of things, if you haven't been engaged with people, you haven't been volunteering, if you were an older person volunteering, these have big impacts. If you if you haven't been doing that for a year and you're seventy, seventy five plus. So in that respect is is we're going to need support for people and also we're going to need need to deal with the issues that weren't dealt with because of the risks of the pandemic. And I think that's the type of thing we want to start those conversations too. All right, well, listen, thank you. And thank you very much once again for your sterling work. Sean Moynihan, Chief Executive of Officer of the Alone. Now, uh, I talked to Tina before, and family carers around Ireland are screaming for help from the government who is ignoring them, essentially, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, according to the claims being made, the well-known presenter Tina Gates, whose 95-year-old father suffers from vascular dementia, has begged Taoiseach Michal Martin, Minister Stephen Donnelly, and the Cabinet to recognise carers as a priority group on the COVID-19 vaccine list. And she joins me again today. Tina, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. Thank you very much, thankfully. And Dad 
has had uh, the first injection of his vaccination. So you two should have your own TV show, by the way. I think you should have your own TV (laughs) show because I've I've followed you on Facebook. (laughs) And I I see your dad and yourself on a regular basis. And you know what? I was just saying there to Sean Moynihan from Alone that, you know, we talked about the different groups that should be bumped up the list a little bit or put in their own bid to get bumped up the list uh, while this shortage exists in the vaccine. And there's no reason because I don't think we're about the same age, Tina. I don't know. Maybe you're, I don't know, you're younger than me or older than me. I don't know. Oh, I'm a dinosaur. (laughs) Uh, But we're around the same age. But there's no reason why you shouldn't get vaccinated before me because I'm not in touch with elderly people or I'm not looking after elderly people. Yeah, well, you see, we keep using and and, um, I feel a lot of disinformation about this expression about being bumped up the list. I mean, the point that we've been making all along is that we're not even on the list. Now, entertainment workers are on the list, incidentally, and I love entertainment, but, you know, family carers have been left out in terms of being recognised. So we keep um, hearing this. Um, I mean, there's been, you know, it's been there's been some really horrible language about this. I mean, there's the suggestion that um, a vaccination going to a family care is one less for a vulnerable person. That's an atrocious thing to say, and it's really mm-hmm. um, it's emotive and it's incorrect. Nobody who is looking after somebody vulnerable wants to have a vaccine before a vulnerable person. That's not what it's no, about. No. When the list came out in December. I wasn't worried. We weren't on it, but I thought, ah, well, they'll show us. They'll adjust somewhere. all that as we go along. You yeah, know, yeah. It, it'll happen, you know. But then you started hearing all the questions being asked in the doll, and it became clear that we were actually being dismissed. And, like, and by the way, I'm surprised at the figure. Off, but we were actually being dismissed. 500,000 carers. <laughs> In other words, there's 500,000 people in this country who live with somebody who is vulnerable, you know, somebody who is elderly or vulnerable in some way. I didn't realise the figure was that high. Well, the other thing about that is that there isn't, there's hardly a one amongst us that this hasn't been a feature in the past Mm -hmm. or the present or will be in the future. You know, we, mm. there's a huge amount of people undocumented that are going to be touched in the, in the future and the past, um, you know, by living and caring for vulnerable people. And I think that's something that the government's underestimating because they've, they've united carers and people who know and relate to carers up and down the country. We've never been a voice before because if you're caring for somebody, you're too exhausted to do anything about shouting for rights. And you're too, you simply can't take to the streets or march on the dog because who would look after the person you're looking after? So traditionally, I've learned over the last two years after becoming a full-time carer that everything you fight for, you see a glossy brochure that tells you that you're entitled to this, that and the other. But when you actually go for it, it's a fight and you just are so exhausted. Yeah, you kind of are, I mean, the silent heroes to some degree because we, you, you don't have time to be shouting and you're right. But in saying that, we've said this before, before COVID-19 came along, that carers in Ireland or people who look like yourself, who are looking after your dad at home or whatever, I mean, they're saving the government a fortune. And and we're we're taking away the headache of being responsible for the elderly. Um, So you're very important, a very important part of the whole jigsaw of life. Well, based on the CSO health report that came out in December, we're, we're talking about a saving of 20 billion to the state. And then I read the um, the HSE Community Care Plan, which was just published in the last couple of weeks. And if you just even read the forwarding documents on it from, from um, 
um, the, the heads of, of staff and the CEO of the HSE. There isn't, there's thanks to everybody. There's, there's thanks to primary care, there's thanks to doctors and nurses, and of course that's due, and there's thanks to the public, and there's thanks to it. But he doesn't mention, there's not a single mention about the family carers who literally, in all of the statutes regarding community care and flaunty care, are referred to as the key and the backbone of the community sector, the community care. And model. by the way, particularly during COVID-19, because the, your dad and the like and many others couldn't leave their homes. They had to have somebody there well, who was a responsible person, not just somebody who was going out, hanging out with their mates and then going back. It's, it's not about me looking for a vaccine because I think I'm wonderful because I'm a carer and I deserve it. That's not it. It's about the absolute terror that if I, A, get covid or they have to isolate because they've had a close contact, but who then will step in and look after that? Now, the cost of that to me is around €1,000 a week. Who can afford that? Yep. Recently, I had an A&E trip to hospital, and I tried to arrange cover from the back of the ambulance, which I managed to do €33 Euro an hour. Recently, I paid for a carer to, to come in overnight to let me sleep because I was literally um, beginning to be a, a danger to myself and others. That cost €240. Euro. So that's the cost to me. But what about the cost to the state? If they have to pick up that bill, or worse, what about when carers all over the country, and we're not too far away from this, when they start collapsing through, forget about COVID for a moment, their own ill health, their own exhaustion, their own mental health, what about if all of these people suddenly start turning up at hospitals because they themselves have collapsed and reached the end of the tether? What's the cost then of 500,000 See, I don't think... There's people listening today and they're going, ah, they're Tina giving out there now. Mm-hmm. And, 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 they're, and they don't understand the day in your life. And, and, you know, and let's be clear about this. You've made a sacrifice in your life to look after your dad because your dad looked after you as a child. Absolutely. And I understand that and everybody understands that. Mm-hmm. But I don't think they really understand, you know, the sacrifice that is made to look after somebody who's very vulnerable and unwell and very old. And, and don't get me wrong, a wonderful man uh, with hopefully a lot more time left in his life. But they don't understand the sacrifice that's made in that. And, and not just the, the sacrifice in your life. When you go out to the shop, you have to be very careful. I mean, the idea you're telling me there a second ago that obviously you've dodged again getting COVID so far, when you mm. think about the amount of people who've got it now at this stage, you know, and by the way, touch wood, I've dodged it as well. Everybody, a lot of people have dodged it, um, which is strange because it's been so virulent in society. Um, so that for you is really, so give us an idea of the breakdown of your day. I mean, just... Well, yeah, well, we'll start with just now. I have a carer who I'm paying to sit with dad while I actually talk to you on the phone. Because I literally can't let him out of my sight. And if I got, if I was to speak on the phone, um, Dad gets upset by that. Now, Dad has dementia. He's adorable. He, I have to say, because you mentioned that, and it can get lost in the waves when you're, you know, sort yeah. of giving out all the time. I love looking after him. Yeah. And seeing him smile at me with his big blue eyes and pet the dog and enjoy his run. That's why we do it. We love we don't. We wouldn't miss the opportunity of looking after the people we love. In it, for for all the world, we passionately adore the job that we're doing. It's just that it is a very difficult job, and we never ask for praise, or we're not looking for applause. But just in to to allow people to know how important it is that 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 we're allowed to continue to do this. Let me point out that in Dad's case, for instance. I turned away from him a couple of minutes there recently when he was, I, I passed him a wet wipe. 
after dinner to wipe his hands, I looked back and he was in the process of nearly swallowing it. He'd started to eat it. So you have to look at him the whole time. I can't go to the toilet without leaving the door open so that I'm listening to make sure that he's not up to mischief or that he's not going to take a fall because with his dementia, sometimes his legs just stop working, but he's still going and he'll, he'll take a bad fall. Now, I'm talking about dealing with dad with dementia. Like, for instance, there's no sleeping at night because dad will wake up every couple of hours or sometimes won't go to sleep at all and will keep pacing the house. He might think the house is in fire um, and it's very real for him and I have to be there to try and manage that and to to keep him safe. Um, There's locks and alarms all over the house to make sure that he doesn't get out. Now, that's me, but all over the country there are people in different levels of care. There are people who are using peg feeds. There are people who are dealing with people who are on oxygen. There are people giving injections. There are people um, literally changing colostomy bags. Dad's doubly incontinent as well. But there are people literally every hour saving people's lives and keeping people alive in homes around the country. And these are the people that feel that A, they're not being listened to, B, they're being dismissed and vilified. There's there's almost a feeling that we're being um, castigated for asking for and and Some people think, are, are they trying to cheat their way out of this now? They're trying to cheat their way to the top. So it's not at all. horrible thing said. I have so many other carers that are after contacting me through social media and getting in touch with me in direct message and saying, listen, please keep talking because... We, you know, there's an awful lot of people that are actually feeling bullied that they they they're afraid to speak That's up. Crazy. They're afraid to, to mm. let people know how bad they're feeling, how desperate they are. It's been a year, and do you remember you said about going out to the shop? That's not happening. Like I get my shopping delivered. Most people who are are many carers. Who do you get out at all, Tina? Tina, you get. I walk the dog. But we've been trying to prove, I mean, we've been trying to suppress this virus and have successfully, remember, suppressed the virus in our own homes. But when people got to do, you know, a little bit more in the summertime and over Christmas and they had that bit of a break where they could, you know, go out and meet a few people and Mm. have a bit of a life, most carers or many carers have not had that. They didn't do that, of course, didn't take the risk. We've been so impressed upon trying to keep the virus out of the house, that we have been in lockdown for over 11 months, going on a full year. Well, and it is a year now, yeah. literally yeah. at the end of our tether. I've had counselling. I was, I was, and I have to say the Alone organisation has been fantastic because I was um, conversing with them for advice about Dad. And I mentioned how stressed and how alone that I felt. And they put me in touch with my mind and I had... Um, some free counselling sessions which have literally put me back on my feet because, you know, when we heard about a vaccine coming along um, back last year, towards the end of last year, you felt there was a light at the end of the tunnel and you felt, okay, Mm -hmm. I I can take a breath because it's coming to an end. And then in December, when the list came out, as I say, at first I wasn't concerned, but when we realised then, and I know me personally, when I realised that were not even mentioned on this list. And and I'm not talking about a date for you're going to get it here and you're going to get it ahead of somebody else. We're not mentioned on the list. When then I realized that that was the case and that we were being knocked back in the doll and that mm-hmm. we were being 
bad mouthed and given the you know the, the impression was being given that we're just giving out and that, that there's loads of, of 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 wonderful people who deserve vaccines well, of course there is but when I realised that we're dumped down with general population... Well, I, mean, I did hear Stephen Donnelly ask the question, by the way. I don't know when it was. It was at some press conference over the last few weeks. He was asked the question about different groups like yourselves, for example, you know, you know, changing the priority. And as usual, as you know best, politicians evade the, the answer, answering the question. And he just rambled on about something else. And it, there was no acknowledgement. You're right. There has been no acknowledgement of the important no. job. And not just the important job... But the risk, and I say this with the greatest respect to you, Tina, the risk you are to your father as a person, yeah. as a younger person, well, <laughs> you, you, younger being a very loose term for myself and yourself at this stage of our lives, <laughs> but as a, as a younger person, the risk a lot of carers are, because some carers might not have the luxury of having food delivered, they might have to nip down to the shop or whatever, so there's always that risk. And I think we're not looking at that risk because those elderly people are, are sitting there and unfortunately, you know, all it takes is you to meet up with someone who has COVID and back to the house and give it to them and that's the end of it. And, and, that's, and that's the truth of it, isn't it? And there is, there is that, that's the total point. I mean, this is about the fear of, there is the fear of transmission, but there's also that fear that if we, if we get ill, we can't look after them and then who looks after them? You know, it, the most likely proposition is that they'll end up as a crisis admission into their local hospital, which A, puts them at risk because we know about transmission rates, um, but also it's putting pressure. That's putting a potential surge on the system. So we're trying to keep people out of the hospital system by doing that. But also we've just heard this week about, you know, and it's wonderful news that on compassionate grounds that soon the, you know, there will be visitations for people who are in nursing homes and in residential care situations. But remember, all of the, the vulnerable and elderly people who've just been vaccinated in their homes, they're still in lockdown because mm-hmm. their carer hasn't been vaccinated. So, for instance, that can't go out or, you know, he can't meet... No, I, and I know people are saying that, well, you know, if Tina's dad has been vaccinated, has he been vaccinated, by the way? He has his yeah. first vaccine okay. in now. Which, yeah. which kind so, of gives him 70%. A, a certain uh, amount of protection, yeah, yeah okay, which but, is but, wonderful and, 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 and marvellous, and, and I'm certainly not underestimating or, or understating yeah. the, the relief that that is. But he still can't go out of lockdown because I'm the complication. Because Absolutely. I'm not. Listen, so Tina, it's been, you know. <laughs> I, I've run out of time, as you know, this is radio, and I've, I've run out of time, yeah. I, I could talk to you all day. Uh, but oh, look, I'd happily chat. <laughs> it's been wonderful talking to you. Give your regards to your dad, by the way, I regards to your dad. I, I know he's a Thank wonderful you. man, and you've put up some wonderful videos and pictures of yourself and him, and, and you're certainly a great inspiration to many people around the country who look after the elderly and carers who look after the elderly, uh, because you've basically given up your life to look after your dad, and rightly so too, and you feel that you should be doing that. And, I, and it's a wonderful thing to do. It's very inspirational. Uh, thank you very much indeed, Tina. And I hope, I hope that the minister acknowledges people like yourself and the 500,000 people around the country who are caring for somebody who's vulnerable. Thank you very much, Tina. Uh, there you go. Tina Gates. Vaccine Watch on Ireland's Classic Hits.